you can take as much money as you want from the rich and give it to the poor, and guess what? They're going to end up being rich again because they have learned the lessons that are in the richest man in Babylon. You know, yeah. so the redistribution of wealth thing, I mean, if you really understand wealth and you really understand like the five laws of gold, you know, mm-hmm. that's the difference between the top 1% and the rest of the 99 who are, you know, fighting tooth and nail to try to, you know, make their lives better. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Abel Pacheco here. I'm your host for the Five Talents podcast. I'm with Five Talents Commercial Real Estate. This show, we really talk about multifamily, multifamily investing, paths to financial freedom. And I brought on a guest, Mr. Brian Briscoe. He is one of those individuals that you want to learn from. So if you don't have a pen in front of you, if you don't have a notepad, I would do so now. And Brian, let me first let me let you say hello and you know introduce yourself. But I do want to cover your your bio in just a second. So how's it going, Brian? Doing well, doing well. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate this opportunity. And you know, we've exchanged you know posts and stuff on on LinkedIn for so long. I'm excited to, to finally talk with you. Yeah. So me and Brian, you know, I've had engagement interaction. We've been LinkedIn kind of back and forth, and which is kind of cool. The fact that you can network with somebody. Never, you know, literally sh- shook your hand before, but I already kind of feel following your content, following the valuable, you know, information. I know that you've started a new podcast, which I'm excited yeah. to kind of hear some of the episodes in the future as well. And a lot of content, a lot of engagement around you. So I was super happy when you uh, agreed to come on the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, feelings mutual. I was, uh, you know, happy to, you know, to be on the show and to talk with you again. It's, this All is right. great. So for those that are not in Brian Briscoe's world, he is the co-founder of the multifamily investing firm for Oaks Capital, our co-founder. And I know you're currently in about $7.5 million in assets under management. You just started you know, your new podcast, a host of it, Diary of an Apartment Investor, which I, I heard is doing really well so far. And man, excited for you. So you bring a lot of experience both and aspiring investors together on every episode, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's something that, uh, you know, we wanted to be different, you know, and, and provide as much value as possible. And, you know, we kind of put our heads together and kind of figured out, okay, what's, you know, who our target audience was and everything else. And, you know, brainstorm session between me and my, my partners. We had this idea, experience and aspiring investor. And um, it's, it's, it's really turned into mentorship on a podcast in a lot of cases, you know, yeah. because the aspiring investors are coming with their problems and their questions. And, you know, they're asking experienced investors point blank, Hey, I need help with X. 
what would you recommend that I do? And, you know, I'm absolutely amazed at, you know, just the love, the quality of the experienced investors that have been on the podcast and how willing they've been just to help people out. Yeah, that's great, man. I have a listen and I suggest you guys do the same guys and gals for anybody listening mm-hmm. or watching. And before the show, told Brian, thank you very much. Thanked him for all of his service. He is an active duty Marine Lieutenant Colonel. He's stationed at the Pentagon and you've had your 20 years in service. So you're about to retire less than a year. Yeah. Yeah. 348 days from now or thereabouts, you know, it really depends on, you know, how much vacation time I credit towards retirement. But, you know, it's the end of a a long chapter and going to be the beginning of, of something that's you know, frankly, very exciting for me. You know, I'll be moving into multifamily real estate field full time, you know, and be able to do, you know, something else that I absolutely love. You know, I wouldn't have stayed 20 years in the Marine Corps if if I didn't love the Marine Corps. But, you know, 20 years is is a long time. And quite frankly, it's a career that's hard on the family. So yeah, it's time to make the move. Well, man, congratulations. And again, thank you very much for your service. Sincerely, I have a number of family members in the service and not having served myself, you know, it's amazing to know there are individuals like you that are, are willing to, to make the big sacrifice for all of us. And so just genuinely, you know, appreciate it. And, and thank you. Thanks. I appreciate yep. that too. Yeah. Brian, so you earned your graduate degrees from University of Utah, Naval Postgraduate School, man, and you've been investing in real estate since 2007. So good track, you know, strong track record up until this point, you've been crushing it doing really well. And you're also an advisor in Michael Blank's deal maker mastermind and uh-huh. in his, you know, his elite kind of investor club. So I thought you were a perfect guest. You know, there's a lot of individuals that, you know, are kind of in that similar position where they're trying to go to the next stop, you know, next phase. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how you've done it. You've been there and you put a lot of time, effort and energy into it. So I think our listeners are going to get a a lot of value from today's show. So now let me turn it over to you. Yeah. If you would, you know, give us your story, give us your background and maybe leading up to now, I'd love to hear it. You know, I, I grew up in Salt Lake City and I, I was not part of a wealthy family. You know, my dad is an amazing person, you know, and one of the hardest working people I have ever met in my entire life. And he instilled, you know, a lot of work ethic and a lot of, you know, really important values in me, you know, from day one. My mother too, of course, but you know, I remember one day, you know, he pulled me aside. I was, you know, probably 16 or 17 years old and, you know, probably right at the phase where I was getting ready to leave the house. And he just literally like 30 seconds, you know, and had such a big impact. He basically said, you can call me for advice on anything you want to, and I will give you advice. And then he mentioned, he's like, but there's some things that you need to look to other people for. It's like, I have never done well financially. You know, I've never figured out how to become a millionaire, how to be rich. I've tried several times. I've had a couple of businesses. Like, I've never figured it out. So if that's something you want to do, you know, I'm not the person to ask. You know, that got me. Wow, exactly. How old were you again? Would you say you're just leaving for? 16, 17 years old. You know, it was right about the time that I was transitioning. I graduated high school at 17, started college at 17. So it was right around that time, you know. That's a statement. I think when you're 16 or 17, you're just probably and, a little bit yeah. um, floored or taken back or whatever it was, right? Well, you know, I think you know, my, my dad had also always told me that I had champagne taste on a beer budget. You know, he's just <laughs> yeah. like, you like the finer things. I haven't been able to give you the finer. Things. You're the type that, you know, out of me and my, my siblings, you know, I, I kind of 
you know, as a teenager, lean towards like the designer clothes and everything else and, and the trendy type stuff. You know, I don't so much anymore, but at the time you'd always say you have a champagne taste on a beer budget. And, you know, if you want that stuff, fine, but, you know, I can't help you. And he was wise enough to, you know, at least point me and say, you need to find somebody. Yeah. If that's what you want, you need to find somebody who can help you. So, you know, it took a long time for that advice to really sink in. At first, I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, but I kept on thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I get, I get a degree in math. You mentioned uh, University of Utah, but I, I taught at the University of Utah. And the first class they gave me was one that we, you know, in the math world, we called it math for poets, you know. And, you know, maybe we were a little snobbish because we were really good at math and poets aren't. But it was a class that went over interest rates, you know, and payment plans and investment plans and annuities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing, you know, there's power in investing. There's power in getting those returns. And so I started reading books. You know, I read, you know, Richest Man in Babylon, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, mm-hmm. all these great books that have kind of the same philosophy where you get your money working for you. You know, you put your money into assets that pay. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a college professor. You know, I'm at the University of Minnesota. I had just started a PhD program and September 11th happens. You know, I literally started PhD program two or three weeks before September 11th, had zero aspirations of being active duty in the Marine Corps. And September 11th changed everything for me, you know, so decided to go active duty for three and a half years. And trust me, I tried to get the recruiter to let me, you know, go active duty for three or two and a half, you know, three and a half was too long for me at the time. But I enjoyed serving, you know, it was, it was, it was a job that, you know, I was proud to have in a lot of ways, you know, and it didn't pay a whole lot at the entry level, but, you know, I make a, a good salary now. But, you know, I kept on reading books like that and I started thinking, well, how can I start doing this? So I decided, number one, every time I move, which is often, I'm going to buy a new house, you know, because those are assets that are going to appreciate over time and, you know, are going to, you know, help me build my net worth. So I started buying single family houses and, you know, quite frankly, I started thinking about commercial real estate and I immediately dismissed it. You know, it was just, I think Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad or Cashflow Quadrant talks about commercial real estate, you know, as opposed to single family. And I looked at that and I thought, I can't do commercial real estate. I'm like, I had zero exposure to that. I'm not in a position where I can eat. I don't even know where to, where to start, you know, but I thought single family home. I'm like, I can do that. You know, I can buy a single family home. That's not a problem. So started picking up a couple of single family homes, a couple of deployments got in the way, a couple of kids got in the way. Marine Corps decided to send me to Naval Postgraduate School for another degree and that got in the way. So put the investing on pause for a couple of years. And it wasn't until about 2016 that I started thinking, I really need to pick this back up, you know, so started reading more books, you know, I started reading single family books again. And, you know, I remember one by by Keller that really impacted me, you know, it's the millionaire real estate investor. And he talks about single family and, you know, it just lit a fire in me. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to get into the single family business. I'm going to start buying. And, you know, he's got a formula, you know, you buy at a discount, you put 20% down and, and yada, yada. 
And I started thinking, okay, you know, I've got to save to put 20% down and then I've got to rinse and repeat. And I figured if I run a really tight ship financially, I can buy one house a year. And I'm a math guy. So I pulled out my Excel spreadsheet and turns out it was going to take 60 years for me to be financially independent, you know, and I, this time I'm like 40, I'm like, I can't wait till a hundred. Anyway, one thing led to another. I picked up a couple of multifamily books and that, that really appealed to me. You know, it's, you remember which ones they were? The first one I read was by Brandon Turner, Bigger Pockets, you know, and it's how we bought a 24 unit apartment with little or no money down or something like that. And it's a really quick read, you know, it's probably 30, 40 pages. And I went through it in like a couple hours. I'm just like, he's on to something, you know, that's amazing. It's like buy one, get 23 free, you know, yeah. it's kind of how I looked at it. I immediately recognized the ability to scale, you know, so instead of buying one cash flowing asset at a time, you know, if I bought a sixplex or an eightplex or a tenplex, that's six or eight, 10 cash streams, you know, revenue streams with one purchase, with one escrow, with one due diligence period, with, you know, one roof and, you know, one driveway, one yard to take care of. And I realized really quickly that there's economy of scale. And also the nice thing about it is commercial real estate is valued largely based on its income stream. You know, and I bought my first single family house right before the market crashed. I had one tenant that stayed for a full year. And literally the day they moved out, you know, the stock market crashed, you know, and I had like a four month vacancy period. I had lived through there and I had just started closing on the, on the second one when all that happened. But uh, anyway, I had lived through that and I was a little worried about repeating with many more assets, but, you know, multifamily is very resilient during recessions. And, you know, looking at the, the COVID recession that we're in right now, it's still a case. I mean, Commercial real estate office is taking a big hit. You know, retail is taking a big hit. And multifamily, I mean, it's not all unicorns and roses, but it's doing better. And in past recessions, multifamily has always been the first one to make huge gains, you know, leaps and bounds past the other ones. So that really appealed to me. And, you know, I started looking at multifamily houses by myself. You know, I, I sold my single family portfolio. You know, so I How many had, did you have? I only had two, but okay. the nice way, thing is- You sold them all, get out of there. Yeah. I had a six-figure paycheck from each one of those that I sold. So I had a little bit of money in the bank and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, what can I afford? And I started looking at the six units and the eight units and the 10 units. And I remember walking out of one of them and just scratching my head and thinking, how do I know that's a fair price? You know, and I didn't how do I know this is actually going to work? Yeah. And I didn't, and I realized I didn't. So like the next day I was listening to Michael Blanc's podcast. He talks about his online course. I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. Pull out the credit card and you know, deal we're, we're analyzer there. comes in your email and you're, yeah, yeah, you're ready so to the, go. Yeah, exactly. I get his deal analyzer. I get access to a lot of his material. And I'm like, okay, I liked it. You know, I moved to DC and incidentally, Michael Blanc used to live in this area. He just moved to, Atlanta area, but he had a big conference here, like right after I moved in and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to that conference. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the five talents podcast. 
After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country, as many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to. I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest, and I'd love to set up a time to talk. I kind of feel I know where this, the back half of the story is heading. And yeah. before we kind of move to that, there's a few things that I want to hit on from what you've said so far. You know, Brian, you served as a Marine. You serve today, still 20 years of your country. And I'm sure there are more than a few lessons learned, leadership, determination, servitude, all the other things. One of the ones that I remembered from my CEO in my professional career, he told me, oh, you know what? A Marine, when I was a Marine, it taught me that leaders eat last. Uh, it was yeah. one of the just off the cuff things he said and that always stuck with me. I go, yep, the leaders eat last and everyone else goes through and I'm sure your family and you know, people that you serve today as your investors and you know, being a good steward, I'm sure they appreciate those lessons, yeah? Yeah, um, and that's, I mean- I didn't understand that quote. I mean, as a junior officer, they told us that, and I didn't understand what it meant, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, but really, it's partly the servant leadership thing, but I guess what I didn't understand is, you know, I'm going to eat, all Mm -hmm. right? But what Mm -hmm. leaders eat last, you know, ended up meaning is, if I eat last, I am making sure that all of my Marines are fed and taken Mm -hmm. care of. And if I approach every part like that, where I'm the last one to get any benefits out of this, they're going to be taken care of. My partners are on board with this. We actually take the same approach with our investments. We're the leadership of each one of these investments and we will eat last, you know? So if if there's an issue of, you know, do we pay ourselves or we pay the investors? The answer is going to be the investors and we are going to eat last every time. So Yep. Yeah, that's, that's one of the lessons they, they bang into your head from the very beginning. You know? and, <laughs> I thought I would touch on that one. And then to yeah. pause you also, there's so many similarities between our stories. It's, it's not funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we took the time to interview, but what made a lasting impact to rich dad, poor dad as many, but I love the richest man in Babylon, but it's by George Klassen. And if yeah. you haven't read it, it's like a little itty bitty book. It's probably this thin and this big. <laughs> And it's probably like 2 or $3 if you can find it on uh, Half Price Books. And yeah. it has amazing stories and lessons on it, on like how to manage money, right? And it's, it's story-based, you know? Uh-huh. It's not, Arca- it's not like, Arcad, I think, was one of the guys. Yeah, and there, there's like four or five different stories, and each one of the stories teaches a different lesson, you know? And yeah. it's, you know, one guy trying to get out of debt, and then, you know, another guy who ends up being the richest man in Babylon. The Five Laws of Gold are in there as well. He who has it, it more accumulates and then don't chase some of the riches. One of the ones that stuck with me big time was like, hey, don't go after returns that are not reasonable 
yeah. then don't trust your money with the jewel maker or, or you're gonna get the, the, the brick the, the maker was trying to buy back. jewels yeah <laughs> sorry yeah, talk over glass beads. No, it, was, <laughs> it was a great great book you know and incidentally it kind of makes me think that you know going a little political i mean when you look at other like the socialism or, or the, the equality issues. You can take as much money as you want from the rich and give it to the poor. And guess what? They're going to end up being rich again because they have learned the lessons that are in the richest man in Babylon. You know, yeah. so the redistribution of wealth thing, I mean, if you really understand wealth and you really understand like the five laws of gold, you know, mm -hmm. that's the difference between the top 1% and the rest of the 99 who are, you know, fighting tooth and nail to try to, you know, make their lives better, but yep. no redistribution project in the world is ever going to work because those laws are fundamental. Yep. You know, you can redistribute once and five years later, those same people who practice those laws are going to be in the top 1% again. Yeah. we got to change that education or own it ourselves. Right. I, I yeah. think like your dad told you, my dad never told me that, but my dad is still working, you know, and he's well into his sixties. And so is my, my mom and they're the same. They never created wealth or figured out how to do that. So it was not that they were keeping anything from us. They just didn't know how to do it. And yeah. so it wasn't until our pursuit of education and pursuit of knowledge, you know, how to obtain, create and, you know, achieve that financial freedom that are like, Oh, okay, let me go figure out. There's a repeatable process and a step to do that. So those are awesome. I just want to touch on those. If you're not yeah. taking notes, for Brian, you need to, you may not see my pen, but I'm yeah, doing the yeah. same. The Brandon Turner 24 appointment yep. story. I don't think I've read that book, but I think I've heard that story once or twice. And Super anyways. quick read. I mean, you could probably do it in you know half hour, 45 minutes, but you know, quick read. But like I said, it was just one of those that I had never considered multifamily before. And I think I picked it up because it was either free or 99 cents on Amazon. And I was on a deployment and every time on a big ship in the middle of, you know, one of the oceans and we don't have Wi-Fi, we don't have access to like Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah. And so every time we went ashore and I had Wi-Fi, I would literally type in real estate into Amazon.com and just start anything that was less than $2. I would just buy, you know, buy, 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 buy and go back on the ship and I'd pick up one or two books that were, you know, in the 15 to $20 range each time. But, you know, I'd go through and I probably picked it up because it was a 99 cent book or, or something like that. And, you know, I actually put off reading it at first because it was an apartment one and, you know, limiting belief in the back of my head. No, nope, you can't do apartments. But yeah, so that triggered a lot of things, you know, led me down the path you know, I knew I needed help or I realized that I needed help. So I got into a coaching program and, you know, coaching programs don't work for everybody. You know, I'll tell you that up front. You know, I had some very specific goals. I wanted to accelerate my success. I had already committed to being successful. And another thing about Marines is, you know, mission accomplishment comes above all else, you know, and that's something that I've been doing for the last 20 years. And I just said, I made it my life's mission to be successful at multifamily. So I was going to do it, but I decided that, okay, you know, I'll take a little chunk of change from, you know, proceeds of these two houses and I'll give it to Michael Blanc very gladly and gain a mentor, gain an education and gain access to his network, you know, and that ended up being kind of a, another catalyst for me because 
you know, I met my partners at Four Oaks Capital through Michael Blanc's network, you know, so yeah. I would say, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the same, same route, but I think those are fundamentals. You need to have good, solid partners. And if you don't have good, solid partners now, you need to find a network full of people who are potential partners and, yeah. and hop into that. So yeah. I got the education. I linked up with the partners. You know, we got, you know, a couple of deals under our belts, you know, syndication models. So, you know, we find the deal, we find people who are willing, you know, who want to put money into to real estate. And the great thing about it is most of our investors aren't the types that have access to these types of, of investment opportunities. You know, I remember reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he talks about how the rich have access to a lot of investments that the poor people don't. Mm-hmm. And syndications are one of those, you know, syndications in real estate are one of those things that a lot of the poor people don't have access to, but just in the information age we're in. And quite frankly, there were a couple of you know, legislative changes that made it more accessible. But now we are taking these deals where, you know, a fairly low risk, you know, apartment complex is going to pay, you know, mid teens in annual returns. You know, you can't get that in the stock market. You know, so, you know, we're looking for people who want an alternative to the stock market. We're looking for people who want to invest in real estate, maybe diversify some of the money they have and earn some pretty steady returns on the back end. Yeah. So a couple of things, if you're a a passive investor, brand new, and you're kind of listening, you know, maybe the first time, uh, Michael Blanc is a multifamily coach, educator, one of the individuals that, you know, has a big program. You drop some heavy coin, which if you know me personally, I did the same thing Brian did. Mm -hmm. I joined about four different programs in two years and dropped a little over 65 grand. And it kind of propelled me you know, the same as Brian, it sounds like I started in 08 similarities. We did like eight deals in Texas. They're smaller deals though. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, once I hit a multifamily education, a few different programs, you get in the network, you get in the, one of my other guests called it the hive. He said, oh, this is the hive. Mm-hmm. Once you get in that, it's like everyone's, you know, focused and centered around doing the same thing. You meet partners, you meet investors, you meet other individuals. And that's not the only way to get in, but it's a fast forward button, you know, to yeah. get into a group or team or people, you know, network with other like-minded individuals, which is, you know, another route. Brian, you did a, a networking event this afternoon at 12 o'clock you know, central. I just, I wasn't able to come because I'm hanging out with my yeah. daughter, but you're putting together like-minded people. We can all yeah. meet investors, general partners, operators, you know, all that kind of good stuff. You know, and Part of it's kind of a pay it forward type thing, you know, and I I don't charge anything for these, you know, these networking events, but we had around 30 people on the line today, you know, and I do this one every Friday. Look me up on LinkedIn, reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me. But anybody who's interested in real estate, you know, you need to be on something like this. You need to find a group of people. And I'll be honest, you know, it wasn't the first time that I logged into, you know, Michael Blanc Network that I found my partners, you know, it wasn't the first conference I went to, it wasn't the first meetup, but I was persistent. I think that's one of the keys is, you know, I'd meet people and I'd be like, yeah, I kind of like him, you know, he might be a pretty good partner and I had to keep in touch with him. I send him emails, text him every once in a while, and then, you know, go to another big conference or another meetup group and 
eh, she could be a decent partner. Let's keep her on the on the list, you know. And yeah. it wasn't until probably five five months after I, I signed up for the coaching that I met the the people that I'm I'm still partners with. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the the more the more opportunities you can get yourself in front of like minded people, the more likely you are to come away with a partner or partners. Yep. So I heard Brian say as a Marine, he learned a mission. What was the exact phrase? It's mission is the most. So, so mission accomplishment. Mission accomplishment. So is our number one priority, you know, and they, they tell you this at like boot camp, you know, yeah. You know, that the two most important parts of, you know, being a leader in the Marine Corps, number one is mission accomplishment. Number two is troop welfare. Yeah. You know, other services will, will put those on equal ground we don't put them on equal ground because unfortunately the name of the game for a Marine is, is sometimes you got to say, you know, go attack that hill, you know, yeah. go into enemy fire and do this. So if troop welfare in the Marine Corps was our number one priority, we would never send people into harm's way. So that's why we do it like we do yeah. it in the Marine Corps. There's a good reason for it. I think in the business it needs to be a more equal approach, you know, yeah. and it's not a, accomplish the mission at all costs. I did hear your persistence through mission accomplished, which is what your life goal. Now that you're out of the Marines and we're not talking about a literal war between countries, but we're talking about, man, your, your family is now, you know, there, how to provide for your team, your crew. And so it's like, well, this is my mission. And I bet you, like you said, it wasn't the first meeting, second meeting, next conference, but it was eventually you knew that that's what's, what was going to happen. You were going to pursue multifamily. And so today you're in seven and a half million dollars worth of real estate. Tell us about is that number of doors, projects, whatever terms so, you want to talk in. Four different apartment complexes, 168 doors is where we're sitting right now. All of them are South Carolina. We've got another project under contract. You know, I won't talk too much about that because it's a 506B and no advertising. But So we have three apartments in upstate South Carolina. I'm really bullish on this area. So are my partners. So, you know, if you're looking at a map of the Southeast, you know, draw a straight line between Charlotte and Atlanta. And basically there's already a straight line drawn. It's 85 freeway, but that freeway is one of the fastest growing areas. Charlotte and Atlanta are two of the fastest growing cities. I read a report yesterday, the day before saying that Atlanta is one of the only cities that's still getting rent growth, even in the midst of COVID. And, and so Charlotte, you know, so, the same factors that are driving growth in Charlotte and Atlanta right now are driving growth all along that I-85 corridor, but it's a secondary market. So that actually plays to our benefit. There's a little less competition. You know, we're not, we're not competing with, you know, hedge funds on any of the assets that we're, we're going after. So what was your very first deal? And did you already partner up with a team? Did you kind of try to do it? Did you try to muscle it in yourself or did you have two or three people or Tell us about your first deal and then maybe tell us about your last one. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So first deal was a portfolio. It was two different apartments, a 16 unit and a 39 unit, Spartanburg, South Carolina. I had already met Eric Shirley mm-hmm. and he, he's one of my partners right now. I remember, you know, Michael Blunk uses an app called Slack for his network. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you tap on somebody's picture and if their contact information is loaded, you see it, you know, and. I don't remember why, you know, maybe he was posting some stuff that I liked, but I tapped his picture and I saw that he had an 803 area code cell phone. And I'm like, that's South Carolina. 
I know that because, you know, my wife's grandma calls a lot and she lives in Columbia. My wife grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. So it was one of the areas that, you know, South Carolina was, was my focus already. And I remember that started the conversation. I reached out to him. I either texted him or called him like, hey, Eric, you know, I see you're in South Carolina. Let's talk. You know, so we, we talked off and on for, you know, a month or two. And in the back of my mind, he was one of many candidates. But as luck or fate would have it, we found out that we were chasing the same apartment complexes. No kidding. That's yeah, awesome. We, we both had LOIs drafted for a place <laughs> called Tanglewood in Columbia, you know? Forget about competing, baby. Just you know, yeah. let's team up and let's take it down, right? You know, once we realized that we were we were competing, you know, Eric said, let's collaborate, you know? In the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I need a partner. Check, yeah. you know? I talked with him a handful of times. He was on my short list. Check, mm-hmm. you know? And so we agreed, you know, over the next couple of days or weeks that, Anything in South Carolina, and I think North Carolina was also in the deal, you know, anything in those two states, we would collaborate on, you know, and so Eric's best friend, Brian Mellon, was already one of Eric's partners. So partnering with Eric got me two partners, you know, so we started putting in LOIs and, you know, each LOI had both of our company logos, you know, mine at the time was Streamline Capital, his was Third Ave Capital, you know, so all the LOIs had two logos on it. and then. We finally got the first one under contract. It wasn't, you know, the first by a long shot, but it was probably the fifth or sixth one that we had put a, a joint offer in, you know, together. We get it under contract and we sit down and we look and we're like, okay, we're gonna have to raise, you know, a million and a half, you know, maybe up to $2 million. Let's find one more person, you know? And Eric said, hey, I've been on weekly phone calls with this guy named Todd. I think he's perfect. And it turns out he was, you know, he brings Todd into the conversation. We start talking immediately like the guy. And that was the beginning of Four Oaks Capital. You know, we didn't call it Four Oaks Capital. We didn't. Uh, yeah. At the time it was, you know, now it was three different logos, you know, on everything that we sent in. You know, fast forward a couple months later, we all start talking about future deals. And we realized that we had a really good thing going. We realized we worked together well. We liked each other. We complimented each other. And we decided to form Four Oaks Capital. So that was getting through the first deal. I mean, you, you asked all the details about it. So yeah, when, when I initially put the offer in, it was a very loose arrangement. Actually, it wasn't that loose because, you know, both of our names were on the LOI, you know, but we started out with a loose agreement to partner on anything inside two states and, you know, evolved into Four Oaks Capital. And, you know, since then we, we closed on another 33 unit property we close on an 80 unit property and, you know, we're, we're always looking for the next deal. Awesome. What was the capital raise or what was the capital requirements? And, you know, maybe a little bit of that on that first deal. First deal, we thought we were going to get away with, you know, 1.4 million. All right. But, you know, this, this is lesson learned, you know, rookie mistake on my part is I didn't pay attention to the debt service coverage ratio enough, you know? And so in our initial underwriting, Mm-hmm. You know, we were thinking we were going to get 75%, you know, potentially loan to cost, you know, and I'm talking mm-hmm. to a couple of brokers and they're like, yeah, if it's a Fannie Mae loan, we will give you up to 80% loan to cost. And we're like, okay, you know, and so we thought, okay, we're going to be conservative. Let's put a 75% loan to cost. In it. But like I said, I wasn't paying enough attention to that, that service ratio. So we got the turn sheet from the lender and, you know, it wasn't as nice as we thought it would be. So we went back, we ran the numbers and 
the number still worked, you know. So we said, okay, now we have to raise 1.7. To be honest with you, we thought the returns were going to be, you know, when, when we were at the 1.4, we thought our returns were going to be like 20% annualized. And we're just like, oh my gosh, this is a smoking deal. Mm-hmm. And then those numbers came back. Incidentally, we had decided to advertise 15 anyway. And then the numbers came back and our analysis put us right in that 15 mark. So it's like, well, now we're exactly where we are advertising. So let's press. You know, <laughs> so that was not a big deal. But then about a year ago, if you remember, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were both coming up to their lending caps, you know, politicized issue. Congress finally, you know, extended their cap and let them lend more money. But in the middle of that, we were supposed to close. All right. Actually, the end of our end of our contract was a year ago this week. So about this time last year, our rate went from, we hadn't locked yet. Our lender was saying, hey, if you close today, you're going to be at a 3.8. And we were like jumping up and down. You know, our term sheet actually said 3.89% interest rate. But overnight, almost, our rate went from high threes to low fives. You know, a one, one and a quarter point. Um, not basis points, intri- I mean, percentage yeah, points. points. Yeah, yeah. 100, 200 basis points. Yeah, 125 <laughs> basis points, you know. And so our proceeds got cut. And going back to the, the officers eat last, you know, we, we had over a million dollars sitting in the bank. We had enough money to close. And we, got, we had $600,000 taken from our proceeds. We were able to negotiate a little bit back. And then fortunately, rates went back down slightly. We closed it at 4.9, but what we ended up having to do to, to make the deal work for the investors is instead of doing a 75-25 split, we moved it to a 90-10 split, you know, because we had advertised a 15% annualized return. And after diluting the, the returns by bringing an extra 500000 in capital in, you know, our number was less than 15. So you know, we moved the needle, you know, so we are going to get paid less on this deal. The numbers worked out so that, you know, we're forecasting, you know, still mid-teens on for our investor returns, but, you know, we're only going to get 10%. But overall, there are some other factors. You know, the first deal is a momentum deal. And, you know, I mean, first and foremost, we would not have gone forward with it had we not believed we could hit that 15%. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was rule number one, you know, can we hit that 15%? But end of the day, we thought we could hit that 15%. We knew we weren't getting paid a lot for the deal. And so we decided that, you know what, we'll take it on the chin on this one because this deal will also give us momentum and give us credibility, you know, so that's why we were okay taking the pay cut. Yeah, there's a lot of nuggets in here. You know, I don't want to go way past your time, but just to kind of summarize. So if you're a new general partner or a new principal, one of the first lessons that Brian shared with us is, is make sure that debt service coverage ratio is over 1.25. And you're basically, yep. you know, just whatever the debt service is, like your mortgage payment, make sure it's enough net operating income to cover 1.25x or greater. Mm-hmm. So we had to come with a little bit extra. They absolutely were willing to do it. And the law of the first deal was another nugget that I heard, which is the hardest one is the first one. Once you get your card punched in the multifamily side, now you're experienced and now you've got some credibility with the lenders. It's easier to get a loan. Mm-hmm. It's easier to probably raise capital. The brokers take you a little more seriously. You're a principal in a deal. And then yep. the conservative side. So 
they thought it was a 20% return, which is absolutely smoky, but they didn't tell investors it was 20. They told investors a 15% return. Mm -hmm. So under promise and in hopes to over deliver. Well, in this, this case, the numbers change from the lenders. So man, whatever you still promise, you could actually still hit because you weren't explaining it was 20 or telling them 15, which is yeah. money. You know, and, and if then, we would have started with 20, we would have had to backpedal, you know, yeah. we, we may have lost some of our investors after that. It's not a good look at all. Right. And, yeah. but they did the right thing initially under promise over deliver. Absolutely. Just, you know, great wisdom. And then uh, the lender side, man, choose a lender that you absolutely know will deliver. If you've never used them before, you know, get a couple different ones. I'm, you know, been in that situation myself and you know, that's a hard one to stomach, especially when you got some earnest money down You've put your, your risk capital, your due diligence, et cetera, et cetera. All the hard costs are out and you're like, they've got yeah. you. It feels like over a barrel and you got to close. We were willing to walk away from the money. I mean, our first big decision point came, we had $100,000 in risk capital out, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we talked about it and we essentially said, we will walk away from that money mm-hmm. if it's the right thing to do, you know, and like I said, you know, the investors is what we really thought of, you know, because end of the day in this business, if you can take care of your investors, what I think every syndicator should aspire to is, you know, when you get out of a deal, AKA sell it and you return investor capital back plus the proceeds. Okay. You want every single one of those investors to turn back to you and say, where's the next deal. And you want those investors to put that money back into your deal. So mm-hmm. we don't mind the officers eat last philosophy because we are looking long-term and long-term, you know, if we last on this, you know, $4 million purchase price, $2 million raise three, four or five years from now, when we sell it, every single one of those investors, we want them to say, okay, here's my money plus my returns. Can I park it in your next deal? And now instead of $2 million, we have $3 million there. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much you know, for sharing. I think that's good insight for a lot of people listening in. So before we go, what is the best way to get into your world? How do I connect with you? If I'm a new investor, if I want to network, partner with you, if I'm doing deals in, uh, in your neck of the woods in the Carolinas or Atlanta, what, what do I do? How do I contact you? Uh, best way, forogscapital.com is our website. There's a form you can fill out immediately. We also have a free ebook on there that uh, discusses, you know, how multifamily and stock market differ, you know, kind of compare and contrast. But yeah, you fill out one of those forms and somebody from Four Oaks is going to get in touch with you. It may not be me, but somebody from Four Oaks will contact you. All right. And thank you very much. Those good resources. So, and Brian, is there anything that we didn't touch on today? Anything we, you know, you were excited about talking about? I just didn't ask. Is any last wisdom? Pretty much anything. Don't worry about time. It's yours. Yeah. So the thing I'm most excited about right now is the podcast. You know, it's new. I think it's exciting. And I learned more from that podcast than anybody else. So Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. You can also get to that podcast on our website. You know, it's fouroakscapital.com slash podcast. And that's our podcast homepage. So that's probably the thing that I'm, I'm most excited about and all available at our website. Yeah. And what's the format? You said you have a unique kind of a yeah, so we, we bring on an experienced investor and an aspiring investor. You know, on the same so show. On the same show. So we, we focus on the experienced investor for about 15 minutes, and it's like an abbreviated podcast episode, any other podcast. 
And then, you know, about 15 minutes in, we introduced the aspiring investor, talked about them for about three to five minutes. And then at one point, you know, I'll turn to our aspiring investor and say, hey, we've got, you know, Abel here on the line who is super experienced. He's doing exactly what you want to do in the future. What do you want to ask him? And, you know, from there, I just sit back and watch the magic happen. Oh, man, that sounds pretty cool, dude. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool, Brian. I think that's a good format. So if you guys are interested in, you know, because you've, you've got an experienced person that knows a little bit more and then you've got a little less experience. So the questions or mindsets are different mm-hmm. and it's really good to have those. When you're choosing a mentor and a coach, I tell, you know, investors with me, I tell other syndicators, other operators that are soon to be or aspiring, like you said, you've got to have a few different sources of knowledge and I like the mentor that has two, three, four thousand doors under management because he's done it, he's been there, he's doing it now, and you can kind of learn from that. However, I also like to learn from somebody just a few steps ahead of me because they're going to tell you tactically what steps you need to take the here and the now. And then if I have a peer group or somebody that's less experienced, everyone views it through different eyes and different paradigms. And so it's really going to help you get some really great knowledge from various, you know, insights and bringing them together on one show. It's pretty cool. That's awesome format. Yeah. It's been an amazing experience for me. I mean, and I know a lot of the guys who've been on the show have also gotten a lot of value. Some of the aspiring investors are getting exactly the help they need. And, you know, one of my experienced investors reached out to me recently and said, you know, Hey, I really, really liked so-and-so and I'm so glad you put us together. <laughs> We're collaborating together now. on X, Y, and Z, you know, so, you know, there's benefit to everybody with that format. So I love it. I'm excited about it. And it's just starting. It's good stuff. Well, good, man. We're at time and I appreciate very much you allowing me to to interview you. So again, my name is Abel Pacheco, Mr. Brian Briscoe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, If you guys are interested in learning more about our company, Five Talents Commercial Real Estate, you can go to our website, 5T cre.com that's 5tcre.com and you can get some other education and some podcast interviews ebook a lot of downloads as well so if you like something you heard today please reach out to brian please leave us a review don't be afraid to put that five star rating on it and we hope that you uh learned something today to help you so again abel pacheco signing out mr brian thank you very much man thanks for your time brother thanks for having me i appreciate it okay talk soon Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65 page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're gonna show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm gonna give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook 5tcre.com forward slash ebook let us know and we're going to send you a copy thank you so much for subscribing to the five talents podcast